Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and various related media, books, TV shows, graphic novels, computer games, etc., etc., and uh, for this episode, we are really pleased to welcome back Mike from the Evolution of Horror podcast. So welcome back, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. Always good to have somebody back to talk about horror, <laughs> as it's one of our as it's one of our favourite topics. Um, so uh, obviously. Some listeners may have heard you when you were on before talking about the uh, the evolution of the slasher film. But um, in case uh, there's people new to the podcast, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and sort of an overview of, of what your podcast is, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, um, the podcast, basically, it's been it's been going for just under a year now. And uh, it's essentially um, it's a horror movie. It's a movie discussion podcast, really, but it's structured in a way where we look at particular subgenres across a number of weeks and across a number of episodes. So, uh, yeah, I did the evolution of the slasher movies, which kind of covered everything week by week from early cinema to sort of Hitchcock and Psycho and Peeping Tom to all the 80s slashers and up to the present day, really. Um, and then I've done another series uh, these last few months, 20 weeks, 20 episodes on on ghost stories um, from sort of, again, early cinema through to television stuff of the 70s to lots of kind of the Spielberg-y movies in the 80s and all the way through to the stuff that's coming out this year, basically. So, uh, so that's kind of the way it's structured. And we sort of hope to carry on doing this and cover every single subgenre of of horror eventually oh fantastic yeah i mean it really is um you know i'm an avid listener it really is very informative very interesting you have some very uh you know high profile guests on in terms of uh you know journalists and uh critics and and historians and those sort of you know caliber of guest which i'm always really impressed by um and <laughs> yeah. uh you, you know yeah it's 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 really good to sort of dig into it and and i tend to sort of watch the films as we go along so i'm either sort of revisiting something from the past that i hadn't seen in a long time or i'm you know in some cases discovering something new uh which you know is what it's all about really isn't it so um it is yeah it's really nice and actually it's the same with me you know i kind of it's like i'm curating myself little you know seasons of films and i uh I, I, a lot of them especially with um some of these sort of early sort of 70s ghost uh, tv specials and that kind of thing none of them i'd seen so it was really wonderful actually to discover some of those yes yeah no absolutely i watched some of those um you know the the mr james stuff that uh that you went into and uh uh yeah very interesting i mean it was funny we had a um we did a podcast back in february um where we sort of uh it was around valentine's and we talked about sort of love story movies and you know it was weird because we sort of likened them to horror in some respects that that you know that is a genre that's very much a sort of cross genre whether it's mixed with comedy or a musical or, or just a straight drama and um it was funny actually because while i was obviously thinking of ghost stories and, and i sort of thought well 
you know, in terms of the ghost movie, that there's the perfect mix of a ghost love story in um, in the film Ghost. You know, the 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 Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore film, and um, it, it, you know, it, it just goes to show you. I mean, I know in your podcast you covered everything from from the sort of comedy stuff like um, you know Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice, and then sort of right the way through to the, to the, like the J horror and. Um, you, you know the the Guelmo del Toro stuff as well, and yeah, it was, it was it's, it's quite a broad broad topic indeed. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really nice actually because you know the slashers, as much as I do enjoy them, they are it's very rigid in their sort of how they work, and you know all the sort of the 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 cliches and conventions of them, and uh, you know ghosts, as you say, are so broad. A, a ghost story can basically be anything from sort of slapstick and cartoony to really tragic to absolutely terrifying as well. So yeah, it's really nice yeah yeah well it's also one of those things as well that works very well across the different mediums uh which i know you touched on as well because obviously you talk about you know film and television and and the source material often being from from novels etc but um uh you know my one of my favorite uh, you know, theatre stage plays of all time is 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 the Woman in Black, and um, you know, I I think horror when it's when it's done on on stage when it's done well can be can be really effective. You know, um, ghost stories and that sort of thing, and and again the 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 the, the ghost stories, which is now a film. Um, I was lucky enough to see the the stage version of that a few years back um you, you know prior to the film and uh, you know it was really effective it, it re- really is you know a great medium for for that type of uh that type of entertainment it know. is absolutely it, it seems to work with every medium ghosts because you, you know you can have it as stripped back as you want where you don't really see anything and that that works quite well for tv or radio or whatever and then you can have the more sort of ghost trainish bombastic ghost stories where things are jumping out on you and you know and, and that works perfectly for, for theater you know where you can actually have actors kind of grab you in the dark or whatever it might be you know it adds to the experience yeah absolutely Absolutely. So, um, so okay. So, you know, in our, in our normal fashion here at Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, we we've asked you as as the guest. You know, obviously, we're going to have a sort of general chit chat about ghost stories um, and ghost films. But we did ask you to pick your your Movie Heaven and Movie Hell of uh, ghost stories. So, um, uh. I, I don't know whether you want to plow into that now or whether there's more you want to say generally about ghost stories before we get into that. Sure. No, no, let's do it. Let's let's get stuck in. All right. So in that case, well, we'll we'll, we'll start with the heaven. We'll start with that way and go downhill, if you like. <laughs> so 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 what was your uh, what was your pick for movie heaven? Uh, for my movie heaven, I've gone with the uh, the movie from 1961 called The Innocents wonderful yes uh yeah i mean it's wonderful i mean it's it's kind of it's one of the earliest you know proper proper scary ghost movies really i think you know what we discussed on on the podcast is you know up until that point ghost movies were often almost farcical especially in sort of early cinema it would be kind of um sort of slapsticky type you know of uh, of almost sitcom situation of a family having to live under the same roof as a ghost and you know shenanigans would ensue or if there was some sort of horror scenario with a ghost it often turned out to be a kind of scooby-doo ending where it's actually a person faking it the whole time and there this 
this occurred in in you know movies like William Castle movies of the fifties, like House on Haunted Hill, and they always had a bit of a camp element. And whereas I think with the Innocence, everything changed from that point, and it was it was marketed as this is the first ghost story made exclusively for grown ups and all of this kind of thing. And it's just so much more terrifying, to be honest. And it still it still scares me. It still uh, I still think it's you know pretty flawless. Um, and it's it's just this sort of classic story of this this woman and she's a, a governess it's sort of set in victorian england and she goes to this big old manor house and she has to look after and be responsible for these two children and this this house has this strange past as often these films do and something went on uh, and 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 people died and um again you know this is a trope with a lot of horror movies but we start to discover you know are these children in some way maybe possessed by ghosts? Is this house being haunted? Or is it maybe psychological? Is maybe this woman a bit unhinged? Um, and, and it sort of progresses from there, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the history on this one is quite interesting because this is obviously like an adaption of, uh, of an adaptation, you, you know, like so, so there was like the book and then the play, or, or should I say the novella and then the play and then this screenplay. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It was the um, it was the turn of the screw was the was the the novel that it was based on. Um, yeah, and and so it kind of it's it it went through sort of various incarnations, and a lot of these ghost movies are are based on on sort of gothic or Victorian literature as well. And I think that's that's another thing compared to things like slashers. Uh, ghost movies are often thought of as the esteemed end of horror i think and they have <laughs> they have associations with 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 literature and obviously sh even shakespeare had ghosts you know uh, so it's like it's somehow a little bit more respected by sort of non-genre fans even uh, and and but you can kind of see why you know with the innocence uh, you know for example it's so wonderful and it's so well acted and it's the cinematography is gorgeous and there is this kind of classiness to it i suppose that you might not get in Friday yeah. the 13th or something like that. Yeah, it's a bit more highbrow, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. It is, yeah. And it's often to do with what you what you don't show as well as opposed to what you do. Again, slasher movies are so much about putting the action on screen and you're you're really most of the time watching it to watch people get killed off. And uh and again with ghost stories it, it's it's often you you don't see anything at all and it's all in the the sound design or the atmosphere or the ambience or the performances. Exactly, exactly. Simon, have you seen this one? You're being very quiet there. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. I actually own it on Blu-ray. Um, oh, right. Yes. Have you got what? the, the, the B I've got the nice BFI um, yes. uh, edition that they did. Yeah, fantastic, that is. It's a film I've seen. Um, I, I know the book as well. I read the book quite a while ago, and um, it's. I, I find it's all right. Uh, it didn't sort of sort of scare me which is unusual because if uh, if a horror film that's gonna scare me it's gonna be a ghost story because uh yeah as as much as uh you know um a slasher or a monster film the the mo you're most likely never going to encounter that but a ghost now that's something different that's something that can come into your home that's something that you know is we still don't know if it's real or not definitely so i yeah so i always find i find that a bit more scarier get to me a bit more if not you know outright scary give me the chills so um yeah i mean i've seen it and there's i you know it it's 
it is a, a sort of archetypal film for ghost stories as you say it's the it's when they went from being camp to being quite serious and i imagine at the time it was quite scary uh but mm. um yeah i mean it's it was a beautiful film to watch uh you know jack cardiff the great D, uh, dop cinematographer you know this is the film he he got to direct and uh, he did a great job on it and i'm surprised he didn't direct more but uh it's yeah it's it's a it's a classic film and uh i quite liked it but uh it's not a film that actually scared me okay fair enough I mean, I, I guess it's just often with ghost films and stuff, I think it, well, a lot of horror films, in fact, I think it's it's often um, down to sort of the, the point in your life that you see something as well. Um, you, you, you know, I mean, I, I'm guessing, I, th- I think you said in the podcast, you, you were pretty young when you saw this, weren't you, Mike? Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. And, and, you know, these movies always get to me, to be honest, even now as an adult. Uh, you know, I remember I was I was I must have been in my 20s when I saw, you know, the orphanage that still absolutely terrified me. And, it, and it's very, very similar, really, I think got very similar themes and and, you know, the others as well. All those types of movies are, are really the ones that get to me and get under my skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, with the innocence of the children, you know, yeah. literally. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> did like... you ever hear about how the screening of the orphanage went down at Fright Fest? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh, it's it, it's quite well known for the fact that at the end of the film, there was a lot of grown men crying. There was a lot of blubbering oh, well. going on. Oh, wow. Well, absolutely. It's tragic, you know. It yeah. is, uh, and that's and that's the other thing about ghost movies. Again, how many horror movies are there that can make you cry? But ghost <laughs> movies definitely can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. They can, they can, they can do all sorts, like you said, from from laughter to to outright scares to to tears. But it, it, there there is that whole thing about you know, it, it's just the it's just the uncanny what it does to your mind. Like uh, you you know, <laughs> you go to bed at night and suddenly you know that that uh, that shadow or that that um, coat you've got hanging on the on the bedroom door you you know you suddenly your mind starts doing tricks and you think you you saw it move or you heard something from in the hallway and yeah it's it's you know it's 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 always it's always great when they sort of play on those things I mean I always think a movie's really good when afterwards when I like you know and getting ready for bed or whatever and suddenly i'm sort of looking over my shoulder all the time you know and and, and that still happens with some stuff you know it's few and far between but uh, but when it works it's it's really uh you know it is really uh, effective <laughs> definitely definitely and often they 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 tend to have a bit more subtext as well sometimes you know i and I, that's what i love about the innocence is that it, it's got you know you could take it at face value as this very kind of basic ghost story about these you know children that may be possessed by you know evil adults that are dead or it could be some other weird stuff going on beneath the surface of you know what what's going on with this woman and mm. is she a bit kind of sexually repressed and 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 is she in some way having feelings towards the boy miles and there you know there are these kind of lingering kissing shots between them at points and some in some ways that it's, it's creepy on a whole other level as well in <laughs> yeah. this movie you know it's wonderful and again quite daring considering how old it is yeah yeah no absolutely and 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 the thing you were saying earlier about the sort of if you like the fact that um you know some of the horror films like that or some of the ghost films like this one uh in particular are sort of 
highly regarded. I mean, um, Sir Christopher Frayling tells that lovely story about how apparently uh, um, Jack Clayton met uh, Francois Truffaut and uh, he said to him that uh, he had made the best British movie since Hitchcock left England. And obviously Hitchcock's last British film was The Lady Vanishes, which is obviously quite sort of uh, quite a sort of bizarre tie in, you know, and he, he always sort of tells that story. I mean, I, I don't know whether that's actually true or not, but um, but again, you, you, you know, you know, if, if you're getting sort of uh, comments like that from someone like Francois Truffaut and you're, and you, you're you know, you're being compared to Hitchcock, then <laughs> then then that's a good movie. <laughs> you know, it's it's like uh, you've you've made it. <laughs> Definitely. And again, you know, it brings back that, like you said, that, that kind of respectability that ghost movies have. You know, a lot of directors tried their hand at making a ghost movie. You've got, you know, Stanley Kubrick made The Shining and Steven Spielberg did Poltergeist and, you know, John Carpenter did The Fog. And you've got all of these big names, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Oscar winners and really respected filmmakers. They don't all necessarily want to have a go at making a, a zombie or a slasher, but they will all have a go at making a ghost movie, you know. That's very true. Yeah, very true indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so no, and, and you're right. I mean, the, the legacy of this film. Um, I mean, I think I think comparing it to the orphanage is is actually a really good comparison because um, you, you know there are you know not just sort of the setting but the the thematics and whatever behind it all is 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 very similar as well. And um, but uh, but but yeah, I mean this this film. One one of the things that it was great about it was the cinematography because obviously uh, you, you know doing this whole sort of simulated candle candlelight you know through the entire thing uh, you know again where you where you almost start imagining things in those shadows you know is what makes it uh, I think really sort of visually still quite effective yeah it's wonderful it looks absolutely stunning doesn't it and it's filmed i can't remember the, the term for it it's filmed in some kind of special way isn't it some kind of panor i can't remember what they call it but it's, it's in that kind of extra widescreen and it's got this kind of frame almost this kind of vignette around the edges that's kind of misty and and, and shadowed sort of everything looks like it's kind of got a, a slight border almost or something like you're looking at an old photograph or picture frame or something like that um really adds to it yeah yeah no it's good and the uh, and the sound design is absolutely incredible as well and again i think quite a big part of ghost movies um because again it's not always what you see but it's very often what you hear with ghost movies and you know even at the, the, the this film opens and i was lucky enough to see it at the bafi when they did their gothic season i saw it on the big screen and it it starts with it started you know it's the the first sort of minute of the film is just pitch black and you just hear a child singing that kind of creepy song of like a, almost like a nursery rhyme type mm. song uh, and uh, and you and you're just looking at nothing you know and just listening to this weird creepy child singing and at the bfi they, they turned everything off they even turned the fire escape lights off for that so you were just sat in complete darkness and you kind of you know creeped out from the from the get-go really yeah yeah i oh, know sound design is is <clears throat> you know so important and uh um you know i mean a recent cinema experience which isn't a ghost story so it's slightly off topic but um i don't know whether you've seen the quiet ones um but that 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 sorry the quiet place not the quiet ones the quiet place <laughs> and um uh, and the, the 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 you know the the fact the lack of sound in that film and the way you know it's mixed and and designed 
was was perfect and and I was very lucky in the fact I saw it with a respectful audience as well that sort of got into it and didn't sort of mess around and and ruin that and uh yeah you know when that's when that's done well it can be so effective you know it doesn't just need to be a a a musical jump scare anymore it can be you, you know that 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 sort of ambience thing that can make all the difference you know <laughs> definitely yeah definitely and again you know these these a lot of these horror ghost stories kind of fall into two camps and you you've got you know the, the these kind of movies the orphanage and the others and the innocence and they are more character based and they're sort of subtler uh, and then you've got these other, these more kind of ghost train ones like the ones that William Castle used to do in the 50s and you still see that today with movies that James Wan makes I think like The Conjuring yes. and Insidious where you, you're not not really going for a lot of meaty subtext but you are going to have fun and it's like a thrill ride and you you are you know there's things that burst out and there are jump scares and there are dark shadowy corridors and monsters popping out left right and center and all that kind of thing and it's and that's the kind of other ghost experience i suppose mm. yeah yeah no and i mean they're both equally good i i i have to say i i i I'm quite a fan of 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 the James Wan stuff actually. Um and I particularly like I, I'm really liking at the moment the whole sort of conjuring universe, uh, you know, because obviously ev- ev- every cinema, every studio now wants um some sort of shared universe uh franchise or or two or three or whatever. And um you know, obviously Universal tried to do it with this sort of dark universe thing, uh, which which they they tried to kick off with the Mummy, and I think missed missed the point completely. Um, but but the stuff that uh, you know they've they've set up with the um, you know the Conjuring franchise and all the sort of various spin offs and the the sort of history they've created there. I think actually is much more effective and I'm much more excited about that stuff personally, you know, than, uh, than, than what Universal are, or were trying to do. I, I don't know whether they've even pulled the plug on it because it didn't really work with the mummy, did it? Um, no, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, that was a disaster, wasn't it? And yeah, the, the, the Conjuring is is so successful. I mean, those movies make a ton of money, and they that uh, that is, you know, I th- that's that's probably you know proving to be more successful than the DC shared universe, to be honest. And it probably <laughs> it probably costs a fraction of of what those superhero movies cost. That's the thing, and it's yeah, yeah, it's a really great little uh, sort of formula they've got there of kind of the Warrens and sort of different cases from the seventies. It's it's a really good idea. Yeah. But I have to say, because the last Conjuring film, they tackled the uh, Enfield ghost, didn't they? They did, yeah. yes. And I think that that story, just sort of, I remember seeing a, a, a show on BBC One, one Halloween, about it. And I think that scared me more than, say, the yes, Conjuring film. Yes, that was much better. Yeah, mm. it was much better. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was weird timing-wise, because um, there had been like a sort of... Uh, two-part television miniseries starring timothy spall yeah uh, but i'm talking about before that literally just yeah but this literally came out like about two or three months before the conjuring 2 came out so it was really sort of weird timing because i must admit when i when i did see conjuring 2 i felt like i'd i'd pretty much seen most of that movie like a month earlier on tv you know (laughs) so yeah it's kind of weird but yes i know they've obviously told that story in the past as well yeah there was there was a documentary there was a documentary that they showed on halloween um it must have been about 89 90 
and uh, that creeped the hell out of me as a kid, especially mm-hmm. hearing the um, the girl's voice when she was channeling the the ghost for it. That I remember that sort of uh, always stuck with me. But they did introduce the nun. Which we're going to get uh, <laughs> yes. is that later this year I think is it is it this year yeah well this yeah. is yeah this is the only problem I have with those movies is that they they say you know you can see now where they're setting up you know future movies and it's it's got that really irritating Marvel or DC thing where it's it's not just playing as a single film anymore it's 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 part of this huge expanding world and so therefore they have to <laughs> throw in as much as they can you know that may at some point come back and I think The Conjuring 2 was about two and a half hours which for me is way too long for one of those kind of haunted house films you know especially one as as kind of basic as that really you know i don't think there's much to it but it's a great fun kind of ride but i don't think it needed to be two and a half hours but anyway (laughs) well it's because they they, yeah they tried to kind of cram the amateurville horror in at the beginning didn't they and then of course like you said they had to have the easter egg ad for the nun as well so it ended up being um you know slightly bloated mm. yeah yeah and there's also yeah. a whole other section with the crooked man kind of monster as well that you think is at some point going to get his own film and it, yeah it all felt a bit unnecessary all that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah sounds like i know what i know what yeah. you mean sounds like yeah. a case of the annabelles again yes exactly <laughs> yes now i do i have to say that i do defend annabelle i particularly liked uh the prequel movie the, the second one called annabelle creation oh, I i've still, still not seen very this good. yet yeah, oh, I thought that was very good. I, I thought they'd done that really well. And then they obviously tie it into the the other prequel <laughs> to, to um, uh, y- y- you know, the first Conjuring, but the, the, the Annabelle film there. So they, they it all sort of ties together. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, oh. it, do, it, do, it does turn into a, a sort of timeline uh, nightmare. But, uh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I have to ask, has either one of you have ever seen what the real Annabelle looks like? It's a rag doll, isn't it? Is it's it a, a rag raggedy doll, doll yeah. 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 It, it's yeah. such an innocent looking thing. So I always find it hilarious that the fact that the Annabelle doll in the films looks so evil that you would never think anybody would want to touch it anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's very true. Yeah, very true. But uh, but it's all good entertainment, and um, uh, it, you know it's it it works. So um, so any, anything while we're still on it, then Mike, anything about the innocence that you you know that you wish to add, or you particularly? I, I know you've done a whole episode enthusing about it, so you're probably you're probably exhausted <laughs> with it now. But uh, I just wondered a, a, any other points about it that that. Uh, that our casual listeners might find interesting that uh, that, that haven't tuned into to your one yet. No, well, I mean, it's got such brilliant moments, just wonderful standout moments. Uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to, for me to pick a favourite, but there's the really sort of famous moment where uh, a face appears at a window um, of of, of a, a ghostly character, and again, it's it's all of the uh, the scares are very low key. It's 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 not so much something jumping out or anything sort of demonic looking or anything. It's it's they just look like people, these ghosts or these spirits, uh, and uh, it makes it all the more kind of strange and uncanny. And there's another moment that I find really creepy where she uh, the governess sees uh, this ghost of this woman stood across the garden sort of on the other side of a lake and she's very kind of distant in frame and she's just sort of placed there not doing anything just stood and it's just broad daylight and you know the fact that it's just a person stood in a garden in broad daylight and they still manage to make it as scary as they do I think it's yeah it's just really really impressive 
Yes. Yeah. Now I, I must admit, I, when something can uh, can pull that off in the in the daytime, um, you, you know, because obviously most of these things are always associated with the night and the shadows and what you don't see. And when they when they can sort of pull it off it, during the daytime, um, that that sort of works really well. Um, yeah, that was one of the things I kind of liked about the. Uh, the the woman in black the 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 tv adaptation which um i managed to seek out on dvd because i was a big fan of the, the the stage play and um you know some of that some of the, the the scares that happen or the creepiness that happens with that is all during the daytime and it's uh and it, you know really effective stuff when it works yeah. definitely yeah <laughs> definitely and you can see you know the again the innocence kind of it, it i feel like it started that and it you can see that influence even in things like the shining you know where the shining is a haunted house movie but it's not really shot or lit like a haunted house movie it's it's very bright and colorful and and a lot of the time these really terrifying moments in the shining are just seeing two people you know two little girls stood at the end of a corridor or a man being there where he shouldn't be or you know it's 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 those very kind of low-key shots where it's just something is just a bit off about it and it's it's all done through the sort of atmosphere yes yes we had quite a few um quite a few of your guests and and not surprisingly so um when you ask them what their favorite uh ghost movie well in fact what their favorite horror movie of all time was uh, many of them picked the shining i know of course and, yeah uh, of course and the shining know, is you know <laughs> yeah and uh, the shining is probably mine as well but i think it's just that um <laughs> you know the innocence is a bit more of a, an unusual and interesting one to talk about sometimes especially when it comes to kind of classic haunted house movies so i always kind of favor that one over the shining with conversations like these just because i feel like everyone knows the shining back to front don't they <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. i mean we're, we're, we're glad we're glad you picked that because um we, we we've we've talked about the shining in some depth on this on various episodes of this podcast mm. and we always like i mean sometimes with my movie heaven movie hells i try and go a little bit obscure with some stuff just to just really to have have something a bit different and a bit new to talk about um you know around the stuff that obviously the films that have been talked about so much that there's dozens of podcasts out there about them so uh, <laughs> so no it was it was, it was yeah. good, good to pick this one i think absolutely <laughs> and it's the and it's the original it feels like it's like the granddaddy of or grandmother of ghost films is what it feels like yeah yeah well i'm, I'm i watched that um again from from listening to your podcast i watched that uh mr james um is it whistle whistle and whistle i'll, come, and I'll to you? come to you yeah because uh, i'd never seen that and uh, i managed to find it on youtube and again i know it's it's very sort of simplistic and and you know some could say dated or whatever but um you, you, you know the 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 reveal at the end of that is actually pretty creepy and very well done i have to I, say i think it's just wonderful that was the real revelation for me because again that was one of the ones i'd never seen before doing this podcast these last few months and i watched it probably as you were as, as it was supposed to be watched i watched it uh, the whole box set of these bbc christmas ghost stories over christmas over my christmas break literally sat at my parents house sort of by the fire at night on my own watching these uh these mr james stories and they absolutely terrified me and yet you know whistle and i'll come to you is is 90 percent of it is nothing happening really but then it's got such a, a man an, having an breakfast ending. 
it is. It's just a, a yeah. really irritating old man bumbling <laughs> his way through breakfast. But then, oh, that ending is just incredible. Yes, it is. I mean, you, you have to wait for it. And then when it comes, it's like, oh, my God. OK, that's actually pretty effective. So, uh, yeah, I was quite I was quite um, happy to discover those because, uh, as I said, I hadn't seen them. And uh um, yeah, yeah. I, I recommend any any listeners uh, should check that out for sure. You know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I think you can find them all on YouTube, and they're they're all only about 30, 40 minutes max. These BBC Ghost Stories for Christmas from the nineteen seventies. There was about eight of them. One released, you know, each one a year apart, and they're all brilliant, and they're all actually really scary as well. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I wish the BBC would go back to doing this sort of thing because they used to do that really well. You know? I know, I know. Yeah, I I know that uh, people like Mark Gatiss have tried sort of doing that and tried bringing it back, but the BBC just don't seem interested for some reason. Mm. Mm. That's a shame. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, Keith, what's your favourite ghost story? <laughs> okay, you're, I, I, you, you, of course you're going to ask me this and I'm not going to be able to answer it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you, you know, there, there's there's a lot of sort of usual suspects out there that uh, that people mention but um if i'm looking at what i would i guess call more sort of a modern classic um i'm a real fan of the sixth sense um simply because uh when i saw that film i, I was living in in uh la at the time and um i was having uh, you know, without going into any sort of personal detail here, but quite a lot of uh, bad stuff was happening, and it was around the time where I knew I had to 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 leave and come back to the US, and um, I was quite sort of preoccupied, um, y- you know, with stuff. Uh, even when I was seeing movies, you know, I had quite a lot going on on my mind. Um, but the great thing about the Sixth Sense, and that's why it's always sort of stuck with me, was. Um, from the minute it started that was it i was i was transported off to that world i bought into it completely and i didn't see it coming and i'm usually really good at that sort of thing but <laughs> in this case i was completely with it i'd bought into it 100 percent, and you know when when the ring dropped it was like the penny dropped and i was like oh my good god it got me and i didn't know this that's amazing so so um you know i do regard that as as a really really great ghost story ghost film um and i guess as i said it's what is it? it's scary it's about 20 years old now i guess is it but um nearly you know, yeah it's, it's, it, nearly. yeah it's like a mod modern classic I, I i guess you could call it and i know you know i know uh m night Shyamalan's career's sort of had its ups and downs since but um i really do think the problem he had was he really did sort of create a masterpiece at the beginning <laughs> and it was always a, a struggle then to sort of outdo the twist from film to film you know uh and he seems to you know because jason blum has, has given him a sort of new new chance now he seems to be sort of getting his career back on track again which which is good for him mm. but um but yes for, for, for me uh you know if i had to sort of just pick one out of the air although there are many great ones i would i would uh, go with that currently what, what about you simon um well i do have one but i just want to say on the m night Shyamalan thing i always feel that the the problem he had with his career was that 
after Sixth Sense that every film he made, he had to have a twist. And I always wanted to see what it would be like if he just made a straight film. Yes. You know, he's told a story from beginning to end because The Sixth Sense is a great story. It's a great script. It works really well. It plays with editing and, you know, storytelling. You know, it, it plays with how we watch films, how we're presented information. That's why that twist at the end is, is so powerful because, and we didn't see it coming because we're watching it from a certain point of view and then when it flips on us, it's like, oh, fucking hell. You know, because you've seen it you're looking at it straight in front of you, but you didn't notice it. You didn't see it because it was presented in a way that the story is, the film is always sort of presented to you, other films. So for that, I've always thought, I, I, I think Sixth Sense is great. Uh, I thought Unbreakable was great, but then after that, sort of, it kind of went downhill for me. And as I say, he there's always this need for there to be a twist in every film and the twists just got stupider and stupider yeah well, he, he does two things he's, he's kind of done two things which uh which i think have made it suffer is he's he's had to put a twist in like you said every film since and also he's had to give himself a bigger part in every film as well <laughs> and uh you know I, I i say that as a sort of actor filmmaker myself but yeah. uh but 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 you know his his cameo in in sixth sense worked and you know, it, you could get away with it and it was believable and it was fine. But, mm. you, you, you know, the part started gradually getting bigger and bigger and bigger until the fact until it got to a point where, you, you know, it wasn't like looking out for a Hitchcock cameo. It was he ha would have a major part, you know, a, a major supporting character in a film. And um, even though he's a great director, he's not the best of actors. So yeah. it would always yeah. it would always suffer a little bit because of that, in in my opinion. But, uh, and but I, hey, I'm yeah. saying who, who, who am I to say this? I'm jealous <laughs> that I'm not doing it. So, um, but you know, good I, but on I him. believe his cameo in Sixth Sense was the fact that an actor didn't turn up. So he stepped in. Oh right, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, well that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but it worked. I mean, it worked. He was playing a doctor. It was just one scene, and it was believable, and it wasn't too much to do, so it worked. But I mean, the uh, <laughs> the last film, um, the, the, well, the last one I remember him in uh, was was Split, and uh, uh, you, you know that which was a great was actually quite a good film, but. When his character came in, I just started chuckling to myself because it just didn't feel believable at all. You know, oh, sounds a bit like uh, Tarantino's cameo in uh, Django Unchained. Well, there you go. Uh. Yes, there's there's, there's, a, there's another example. We 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 we've gone from you know jimmy or whatever <laughs> which was great right the way through to to that guy that uh yeah didn't really work but yeah, yes <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah definitely it is a shame because i think you know like you say he became known as the man who did the twist in the sixth sense but you know actually that film is so brilliant for so many other reasons that have nothing to do with the twist i think you oh know, absolutely bruce is amazing in it yeah, and actually even M. Night Shyamalan's directing, he's so brilliant at directing suspense and uh, performances. And, you know, if he hadn't been so worried about shoehorning twists in, you know, there's actually there's amazing 
you know moments in Unbreakable and um, Signs and some of his other movies, but often it's the it's the story I think actually that lets him down more than the directing. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah, he's, he, he is a fine director. He's he's doing well, and I, as I said, I'm glad he's getting a chance to do stuff now with a lower budget. But um, you, you you know, but he but he's being given a chance. Um as I said, with Blumhouse, which uh, which I think are doing some amazing work. I've, I've got a lot of time f- for their stuff. So um, yeah. that's a good model. Yeah. <laughs> and to answer your question, Keith, uh, yes. my pick would be The Innkeepers. Ah, okay. Yes, the Ty West film. Um, when that got premiered at uh, Fright Fest, um, it was one of those films that was kind of, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this should be, you know, I had no idea what this is going to be, but let's, let's go and watch it. And uh, I remember throughout that whole screening, I was literally calling up into my chair. You know, it's one of those films where you just, you want to get out, but you want to see what's happening. And it was... Yeah, definitely. That was the Do you know, I'm embarrassed to admit I've not seen it. I'm embarrassed to admit I've not seen it because that was before I'd started going to Fright Fest. So, uh, and I've not, I've not, you know had the opportunity to watch it any other time so um so that's one i should definitely check out is it yeah, yeah. you're in luck i've got a copy if you want to borrow it um all oh, right i have to sh- give you your other films back first <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's a shame the um the cover for the the innkeepers is that they never really got the poster right um there was one which is just like a creepy hand over a, a bell and then the other one was like a, a ghostly face with all these keys hanging up in front of it. They never really got a good poster for it, I felt. But um, the film itself is, is just great. Um, I love the fact that it mixes humour with it as well. But uh, Definitely, when... definitely. And, and, and it's got two real uh, wonderful lead characters as well, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll have to see. There you go. I'm even discovering new films from our own podcast. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so I'll I'll have to check that one out then. As 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 you but you it sounds like you both give it a thumbs up. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. So so we we've, we've managed to celebrate. You know the 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 good of the um of of the ghost films. Uh, franchise but uh what, what what about what about the flip side then so um mike what 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 has been your pick for ghost movie hell uh so yeah this was a tricky one but the, my my pick for ghost movie hell um is a remake so it's the it's the 1999 remake of the haunting <laughs> yes yes <laughs> how can you make such a wonderful film so bad yes. yeah i know i know there are so many reasons why this film is terrible and part, partly it's because yeah you know the the original in 1963 only a couple of years off from the innocence and it's kind of is 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 almost equally as as brilliant really i mean they're both wonderful in their own way and you know both are responsible for the sort of the modern ghost horror movie really uh, and uh, the remake it got literally, I think, every element wrong, it feels like. Everything it could have got wrong or misunderstood about the original, it did, I think. You know, it was just <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it back when it came out, uh, the remake, and uh, I did try and watch, re-watch it for this podcast. <laughs> and um, I, I 
fell asleep somewhere about sort of 30 minutes into it which says an awful lot about the film i think you know <laughs> so so i don't actually remember much more than the setup <laughs> consider yourself lucky because uh when this film came out i was working at a cinema so i got to see this multiple times lucky you this was this was the time of the string of really bad cafezita joan films because we had this and we had entrapment as well Oh yeah, and and was yeah. it around the Mask of Water Zorro trap. as well? Or oh, Legends of Zorro? Mask of Zorro, Sorry, is really, yeah, uh, Mask of Zorro is great. I love that film, but Legend is whoa, pants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I seem to remember it had some really bad CGI. <laughs> I, I never got that far when I when I when I yes. when I rewatched it, but always tried. To, but I mean, it's got some you know, it's got some fantastic actors in it. It's just it it wasn't. Was it this? This was Yann de Bont, wasn't it? Yeah, and Debon, yeah, who had previously yeah. done kind of nineties action movies like Speed yeah. and stuff, which I which he was great at. But yeah, yes, but- uh, why on earth would they get a director who does that kind of movie though to do such a low key sort of character based ghost movie? It's very odd. But yeah, you know, so what what we end up with the the original was just so wonderful and subtle. And again, it's kind of it was all about what you hear and what you don't see, and you don't really see any ghosts at all in the original haunting. But again, it it could all be psychological with this kind of unhinged character of Eleanor at the center of it, and uh, everything that happens is kind of you know creaking and and walls being. And doorknobs being rattled and, and people banging on walls and sort of laughter heard in the night and all of these weird kind of very subtle things. And uh, and yeah, the, 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 the remake has got, you know, beheadings and CGI cherubs and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's all like, yeah, everything is turned into some big bombastic action set piece. And, and like you say, you've got Ugh. these quite an impressive cast now when you look back at it, of sort of Liam Neeson and Owen Wilson and Catherine Zeta-Jones and, and, uh, and it, they all are quite bad did it as well you know it's that they're all giving some of the worst performances i've seen them give as well so yeah it's it's very bad and didn't have i got this wrong or didn't spielberg produce the film have i have i misunderstood that i'm sure it came through dreamworks so yeah 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 yeah, yeah, no he did it's shame on him (laughs) yeah yeah it's unusual it's a real mistread there but um yeah i mean I, i i was i was extremely lucky when i was at film school um I was very lucky to work with uh, the late Julie Harris and, um, uh, you know, I got to talk to her quite a bit and she she was telling me about, um, you know, what a wonderful time she had on on that film because she said Robert, Robert Weiss was just the most generous giving director that, that you could have and really cared about the actors and working with the actors and knew exactly what he wanted. You know, he had everything planned out and um uh you know she said he just had a wonderful way of creating a great atmosphere on set and 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 you know working with everyone and um you know you you can see it i mean that 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 film is yeah that's 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 a classic isn't it i mean it's just it just works so well and um yeah you you know it's 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 just a shame they made such a mess of it (laughs) with the remake (laughs) again i think the whole the whole point of the original a bit like the innocence was that it was ambiguous and you know it was this very kind of strange Mm. sort of central character that we were aligned with a a very sort of you know a sort of unreliable narrator i suppose and again they kind of just do away with all that in the new one and it is just like say cgi ghosts flying around and stuff It, it was that kind of weird point in the 90s where suddenly CGI just popped up and everything and it all looked terrible and uh, you know it's funny because 
Jurassic Park, which is, you know, 25 years old, isn't it? It still looks so much better than a lot of CGI that came oh, out yeah. later movies, doesn't yeah. it? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it was that sort of time where, yeah, it was there was really great CGI like Jurassic Park. And then there was other films, and we've mentioned a few of them before on the podcast as well, that just had, you know, appalling yeah. CGI. And when you watch it now, it's just, you, you know, it, it really stands out as... Um, yeah, super bad. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it really does. And also, this was around the time where um, you did you were getting a lot of these sort of remakes of ghost stories. So uh, I do remember, as well as The Haunting, we had uh, House on Haunted Hill came out, the remake. And Which was great. I actually liked that. Yeah, it, it's fine, but it did suffer from bad CGI. These, right. The sort of, when you yeah. saw the main ghost at the end, it was very kind of, you know... It, it wasn't sort of the the build up to that part was really good but yes. then when you saw the sort of the ghost at the end or the main creature whatever it was um it it was a bit of a letdown it just it didn't sort of fulfill what the build up was uh yeah. and also you had 13 ghosts as well sort of came out around <laughs> the same time yeah well it was this dark castle wasn't it yeah. um robert zemeckis and and those guys which uh joel silver i think were were kind of um that they, they, they did like gothica as well they, they they did a few a lot of them were sort of remakes and then they had one or two sort of original pieces and that they, they they churned out a few films and then it seemed to uh that that label seemed to sort of die a death eventually and i think it was because things like you know 13 ghosts and ghost ship and you know some of those weren't particularly good and no. um didn't sort of bring those returns it was a real low point i think for a sort of american horror around that time late 90s and early 2000s you know because if you, if you think those movies were coming out at the same time as all the j-horror stuff like ringu and the you exactly, know, dark yeah. water or some yeah. of the spanish or mexican stuff like devil's backbone and all of these wonderful films and and yeah and then whereas in the states we were getting the haunting and house on haunted hill and ghost ship and 13 ghosts it was, yeah it was quite bad <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I must admit the you know, the um, the J horror was was really sort of ahead of the American curve. Definitely. I mean, I know, of course, the Americans have gone on to remake all of those as well. Hollywood's remade them all. But um, but uh, yeah, those like you said, I know you've got quite a few episodes in your um podcast that sort of dig into those as well. And um, yeah, they, they were very effective at the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Still are yeah yeah no they, they they really work it's funny they've tried to reboot a couple of them recently and it hasn't been so successful has it but uh, yeah did you, did you guys see at fright fest a couple of years ago where they had like the ring versus the grudge or whatever oh that was terrible <laughs> yes <laughs> no uh, i skipped was, that one <laughs> yeah i did see it it was one of those versus movies but that was just a bad idea yeah really it, yeah it was it, it was hilarious i mean i think it was played for laughs recently, yes. wasn't it but it, it is a bit sad when you think god these two movies were so scary originally and what have they done to them you know yeah well it was weird because they kind of had to each have their own movie within that movie before they ended up having the the, the face-off thing together so it was really weird it was almost like they were making it for people who had never seen either of those franchises before and it was it was kind of so there was a lot of retreading of of, of sort of what we'd seen in the previous films only redone not as well you know because it was obviously hurried 
and uh and then you got that awful showdown and it was yeah i I sort of walked away thinking that was that was kind of an interesting idea but really badly done (laughs) (laughs) yes yes definitely yeah it was it was pretty laughable wasn't it it was now that 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 one was not one of the uh the 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 fright fest highlights for sure but uh but yes it's 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 funny what they've done with that i mean with regards to the haunting um I do I do have some hope though because the you know the source material the haunting of Hill House is actually um being made for um television by um Mike Flanagan who is a director that I really like Mike Flanagan a lot I I went to see him uh chat after uh, Gerald's game at the BFI um last year when 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 that screened and um God, uh, what a film yeah yeah great film but i mean i loved oculus and hush and the you know the the the, the ouija prequel that yeah, he did and all of that stuff absentia yeah, i love all that stuff so i i'm actually you, you know I, I really rate him as a um as a sort of genre filmmaker and uh you know apparently he's directing the pilot and he's going to be the showrunner for a series based on it and i think you know if done properly which which i'm sure if he's overseeing it it will be i think that could be quite an exciting you know thing to have on television actually um, definitely i think I've, i agree he's he's probably one of our best kind of genre filmmakers going right now you know he's 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 kind of this next generation's you know i think could be you know wes craven or you know somebody like that he's, he's very good yeah, he's very good yeah yeah, yeah. So, I'm, so i'm sort of excited for that one i know that's sort of in I don't know whether it's pre-production. I think it's beyond development. I think they've actually gone ahead and maybe even filmed the first one by now. But I, I know that's upcoming, um, and that that will definitely be something to uh, because again, the source material there. Um, you know, forget what Jan de Bont did with it and stuff, but the <laughs> the actual source material that that Robert Weiss drew on is 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 um, you know some really sort of dark, sinister stuff and. Um, you know i think it's quite interesting that they because i think it's going to be like a kind of almost like a sort of anthology show around the 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 house itself i think or something from from what i gather Um, yeah yeah definitely and you know it's it's such a cliche to say but you know that the the house is such an important character in itself isn't it and and you know they, they they so got that in the original film you know these kind of just weird kind of you know, uh, sort of wonky, uh, you know, angled Dutch angled shots of the walls and the 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 architecture that all looked kind of evil. You know, it was just so well done, all of that side of it. Yeah, no, absolutely, it was uh, really good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> did you? Um, yeah, so I, I'm definitely putting that one in the diary. I hope uh, I hope that gets some some sort of uh, release of streaming or or you know Sky or something uh, when it when it comes i don't know if i haven't checked who's actually making it in terms of what uh what studio um yeah i'm not sure uh, i don't have it yeah no i'm not sure I, i'm not i'm not i'm not that prepared i haven't done my homework look this is what happens uh um, so. But yeah, then hopefully we can all forget that the uh, Jan de Bont one ever happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. of course. And, and, and oh, I've just looked. And the other thing, of course, Mike Flanagan's doing, which is interesting. Uh, we talked to, uh, we did have a, and this is obviously relevant as well to ghost stories. Um, we, we had a 
episode um, where we talked about uh, Stephen King adaptations and um, we were we were all saying wh- which book would we adapt if 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 we could um, you know we were asking the guests and we were all saying and um, I was uh, at the time I said that um, the one that uh, the one that I'd like to do would be the um, the sequel to um, the the Shining which is Doctor Sleep yeah and uh, apparently that is going to be mike flanagan's next film it's in pre-production at the moment so that's um, right yeah he's making it yeah that's that's quite quite interesting interesting. you know i mean i I wonder whether he's gonna because what i said i would do is try and sort of set it in the in the kubrick style universe rather than stephen (laughs) king's version so uh god stephen king will be livid if that he would have been yeah 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 no i i know i know but uh, and and obviously i have utmost respect for stephen king so i'm not you know but uh but yes you're right he would be livid but um uh yeah that's in that's in pre-production i'm reading here it doesn't i can't actually see who's in it or who else is attached but uh but yeah, that's due for release in 2020. So he's a busy boy, is Mike Flanagan, you know, um, producing and show running this series and uh, prepping for a sequel to uh, The Shining, which is, well, a- an adaptation of Doctor Sleep, let's put it correctly. So, it's yes. pretty uh, pretty impressive, isn't it? Taking on two sort of texts as big as The, the Haunting and The Shining as your next two projects. It's amazing. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. So go on then, Simon. I'm going to ask you then, what would your movie hell pick be for a ghost film? Well, it's an easy one, and it's a callback to <laughs> our um, Fright Fest episode, the one of Fright Fest, uh, Fright Fest Past. Uh, okay. It's the uh, found footage film called uh, The Paranormal Diaries Ugh. Uh, Clop Hill. Yes. Now yes, that was terrible. Yeah. See, I'm a fan of Ghost Adventures. I, m- me and my girlfriend were avid viewers. Uh, I watch it with Antonio all the time, and uh, you know we're in. It's like been 16 series of it now, and so we're very sort of used to that kind of TV show where they go to a location and they do a lock-in, and they're you know walking around in the dark with these infrared cameras and all these gizmos and stuff and they're you know trying to capture uh, ghosts on camera and it's very effective i mean some of the episodes you know you you are quite on the edge of your seat some of them are quite scary some are a bit boring or a bit uh, you know not much happens but um they're very entertaining and if you know if you don't have the ghosts there to skate then you've got the the sort of uh, ghost bros as they like to be known you know that kind of genre of tv of you know they're all <coughs> friends in real life so they you know they they play jokes on each other and kid around a bit um you know if things aren't uh, you know the ghosts aren't uh, kicking off or anything so to see a film where they try and take on that kind of um, aesthetic, uh, it just really fell down badly. 
Well, also they also narratively the 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 big mistake they made with that film, which which I thought was 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 crazy, is obviously yes, it was a found footage film, but they were also doing it as a sort of you know retrospective interviews as well, right within the film, which was 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 a bit shit because that meant that you knew that all those characters were safe because they survived to tell the tale in the interview so suddenly all the jeopardy of the actual found footage um you know ghost bit was 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 completely lost because it was intertwined with the with the video interviews of them reciting the story so it was like well you've kind of missed the point of the whole (laughs) suspense and, and 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 drama of that by um by us all knowing that they all get out of it so um yeah it was a bit you know <laughs> and also the other thing as well is that um they they came up with actually quite a good gem of a story that they just put at the end of it so for the majority of this film they're running around these this hill where this is old building is or old tower and um you know oh is that a ghost Ooh, oh no it's pagan people you know it was and then when the main guy came home uh he i think he brought the ghost back with him because like his little girl was sort of being possessed and i thought you know what that is far more interesting than all the crap they just i've just watched for the last 80 minutes or so <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. this sort of yeah, i mean you, you know tweez, good on, good on them yeah. for producing stuff and getting it out but it didn't uh, yeah it didn't work i mean have you have you seen this one mike do you know the film we're talking about do you, I, do you, I, you I think i see that one that, thank goodness yeah i haven't seen that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was yeah. It, it, it 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 didn't work um it was quite an intriguing idea and they made it on a low budget and as i said my, my hat's off to anyone that that gets something made and screened at fright, fright fest you know that's great but unfortunately it wasn't good no. and um it just it just didn't the, the the trouble is the conceit of it didn't work because of the way that it was executed and um yeah it was a shame you have to believe the original conceit really for it to work otherwise it's pointless you know found footage is completely pointless if it's if it doesn't feel real that's the thing yeah yeah no Uh, absolutely i mean some some films you know the whole found footage thing um i always think when it's done well when people sort of respect the rules of it and then they don't suddenly sort of have these um you know objective camera views and hard edits and music cues and all that sort of stuff yeah it works and there was there was actually a film last year i think it was called the gallows did you see that one and i actually thought that worked really well i thought you know what i know we've sort of seen this all before but these guys respected the actual rules around found footage i know you hate found footage simon i i I know that but uh but 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 that film i actually thought worked and and that is the thing with found footage is often people think of it as a sort of lazy cheap way of making films but you you know if you construct your story and you construct your shots and you you know your narrative to to sort of make it believable as a piece of found you know material on whatever now whatever format um then 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 it's good it's 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 when they start you know doing 
doing normal filmmaking things that it's like well that's that's ridiculous you know <laughs> so well yeah, yeah I, it's a weird the time. the only the only film that i had actually enjoyed that was found footage was uh wreck i yeah, I, I, had, I thought yes. yeah I, that really was uh gripping and kind of scary and the the found footage worked but the majority of the time it's it makes it makes no sense there's a lot of the times when these things are happening it's like well why don't you put the camera down yes you know, there's always that yeah. camera there's always that character who i must document this yes yeah that's well, the, the, thing, fun, the that's thing, the fundamental flaw isn't it with yeah. film footage is, yeah. the, is that question of why are you still filming, filming this it. yeah <laughs> it, exactly and, and the thing with wreck which is a shame is wreck actually did spawn some quite decent sequels but mm. uh they got to a point where they stopped doing found footage and made it sort of you, you know normal visual narrative and it took away from it then because you think well no 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 this is what these films no. were so you're no. changing it you know no i because uh wreck 2 was fucking awful i thought it was, <laughs> was it? i don't i don't really remember wreck 2 is um like they're either they're armed police they go in they're trying to make it kind of aliens like so you know, All right. yeah, and it didn't work. I I, oh, I saw that at the cinema. It, the it just gave, there was a lot of motion going on, and just motion sickness started to kick in a bit. And they they did it where it was sort of told from three different points of view. So it was three different fa- found footage that was found. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, <laughs> I I applaud the fact that they went away from fan footage. I think that it worked a treat. I loved that the third one that it started off fan footage, but then halfway through they went, nope, this is going to be a proper film. And was that I'd one like, at a wedding? Yes, because because I, I, yeah. I've kind of got them mixed up in my mind as yeah. to which one. I, I know the first the one was yeah. amazing, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, I remember there was a wedding setting on one of them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's the one where it starts off as fan footage, but then moves into sort of normal movie territory. And I, you know, I applaud them for doing that because it's, it's only so much you can do with fan footage. The the first one works well as fan footage because it's a reporter put into that position. Mm-hmm. But then the other ones, uh, yeah, okay, the the cops with the on-body um, cameras, that's fine. But then you had some kids who break in there and they've got their camera and then also the spoiler but the 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 reporters <laughs> spoiler still, alert the, the reporters still alive and no, right. and you see you see more of what happens to her and if anything that kind of ruins the end of the original wreck yeah so that was it that was spanish mm. horror wasn't yes. it wreck if memory yeah. sir and, th- yeah. and then of course hollywood have remade that haven't they as as was it called uh quarantine uh, quarantine yeah. yes yes yeah where they put the ending <laughs> on the poster uh, yes <laughs> yeah. oh dear i there believe go. they good did, old marketing i believe they did do a sequel they did quarantine too and at this time yeah it was on a plane. Which, it was a plane yeah that that one didn't actually that wasn't a remake of like wreck 2 that no. was that was um its own thing yes. but yes it was on a it was a quarantine 2 terminal i think it was called but it it wasn't it wasn't great <laughs> it didn't quite work but no. it was it was it was okay it was enjoyable to a point yeah. so <laughs> keith what's what would your pick be 
Okay, well, I mean, again, this might be a bit lazy because this is something that uh, I I looked at whilst um, listening to Mike's podcast. But um, uh, I did purchase the uh, William Castle uh, box set because uh, I have to say House on Haunted Hill, I thought, was absolutely fabulous. I loved it. I loved the setup. You know, Vincent Price was amazing. And even though, you know, the conceit of the whole thing was a bit silly and stuff, I I thought it worked. And I know, you know, obviously he was going for sort of shock gimmick value. Um, He was almost, you know, a bit of a precursor to to, to what Hitchcock did with Psycho in, in, in some respects in terms of, you know, addressing the audience and, you know, all of that stuff. But um uh, I watched then 13 Ghosts was in in that box set. And obviously the, the, the gimmick with that film had something to do with a type of, I don't think it was necessarily 3D, but they had sort of either red or blue um, gels that you would hold up in, in the cinema in front of your face and it would sort of reveal different things and you could sort of almost like sort of choose your own narrative because of it but obviously that doesn't translate onto dvd <laughs> so, <laughs> so so what 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 i actually watched was actually something that was quite dull and boring and really didn't work at all and i thought yeah um y- you know we've gone from one extreme to the other we've gone from house on haunted hill which which was really entertaining and re- really you know well paced and you know well acted and 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 nice twists and turns and nicely directed and and worked to this film which was essentially experimental so i applaud him for that but uh but you know the experiment really doesn't hold up watching it on a on a on on dvd you know like (laughs) 60 years later or whenever we are so um yeah so that 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 i guess would be my my ghost movie hell because really nothing happened at all in that film it was just boring you know <laughs> terrible isn't it it's is terrible it's, uh, it's and of course you know it's not really william castle's fault because he did design it to watch in a cinema of course but uh he you know he wouldn't have known 60 years on that we'd be sitting oh you know? no no absolutely i mean his but legacy I, but, lives but but i know. i 100 agree i was so bored watching it I, <laughs> because because you know if you if you take away the kind of visual spectacularness of seeing you know ghosts or whatever this is you're just watching a, a lion roar for 10 minutes or whatever mm. other ghosts pop up you know and it's it's nothing is it it's barely even a story no it, it, it was just terrible um and it's 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 funny because as i said i was quite optimistic having watched house on haunted hill i thought oh you know i want to i want to get more of this this is great you know and uh and yeah this, that that just absolutely <laughs> bored me to tears and i think it's you know it's only like 80 minutes long or something but my god i was bored i was like <laughs> i was like when is this gonna end you know <laughs> so i can say i've seen it and listen to your podcast you know because i was trying to i was trying to watch the material before listening to the podcast because obviously you state up front that they're going to be spoilerific about you know the, the films you're going to be discussing so i thought well let's let's watch it and um and uh you, you you know then listen to the podcast and uh yeah i just was like oh just hurry up and end already so i can listen to the podcast please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh I, I love i love thank you for your dedication because yeah it's a it's a real pain to get through that film it is oh yes and i can't and i'll be honest i don't really remember the the um dark castle remake 
that they did as i said it's one of those awful ones that 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 filled that early 2000s that we that we talked about and i know there was a a remake which i'm assuming was was radically different to this but i i don't really remember it i don't know whether any of you guys do yeah i kind of vaguely do it's 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 a similar in its setup in that this family inherit this house from this mysterious uncle and that's that's how the original starts isn't it and there but then it goes it goes much more kind of balls out horror and lots of cgi creatures and that kind of thing (laughs) yeah fair enough yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, was, so yeah, that would fun. be my pick. It was fun. <laughs> it was definitely less boring than the original. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll revisit that at some point, but I don't know. I, I'm fine. I'm finding. I'm always trying to be a completist with everything, and uh, unfortunately, modern life and time and work and you know trying to do my own projects and all this other stuff just doesn't make way to be an absolute completist on everything you know (laughs) it's funny though i use podcasts as an excuse to do it because like i said with your one if i don't know the film you know if i don't know it really well i will try and watch it um before listening have you gotten the chance to see lake mungo I ha- you see this is one that you recommend that I haven't had the chance to, oh, to watch and yeah, you yeah. didn't you did you specifically said you weren't going to spoil it and you didn't but you do you give it you give it honorable mention or whatever yeah, so yeah. Um, I nearly I, I need nearly to check that, that out for um for this pick for the movie heaven because it is it is ah, it's right. brilliant and not enough people have seen it it's it's, it's fantastic I'd never heard of it until you mentioned it on the podcast that so uh, that there you go that just and you know obviously I'm quite on the radar with movies, but uh, I hadn't heard of that one, so I don't know whether that was poorly marketed or or, or what. But yeah, a, I think it was just a very, a very kind of forgotten gem, exactly, and that's why we didn't want to spoil it in the podcast because I think not enough people had seen it, so it was more just a, a great chance to recommend it, really. Yeah. No, well, we're glad you didn't spoil it, and I will add it to an ever-growing list. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It never, you, you never, it never gets easier, does it? It's, it's always like, oh my god, you know, the amount of films that we are so spoiled for choice nowadays. It's, it's, it's amazing, and uh, you know, every, every week we get something new in horror. I don't know about you guys. I'm particularly looking forward to Hereditary, which comes out this week, which looks amazing. I've, um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been lucky enough. I've seen it twice already. Oh, and it is, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to go to some early advanced. I went to an early press screening about a month ago, and then I saw it at Sundance London again uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's my probably my film of the year so far. I love it. Oh, really? Okay, good. Okay, well, that's that's praise indeed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting quite excited to see that later this week. By the time the podcast will be out, it'll be in your cinemas, folks. Yes, and that's by the time this podcast is out, I will also have a podcast episode about it as well. I've done a, oh, a, a little bonus episode with somebody because it's just so good we wanted to talk about it. So we kind of do a, a spoiler-free section and then we do a spoilery section uh, where we talk about it in depth but it's it's wonderful okay well obviously i'll be tuning in for that no doubt but uh so uh, uh, what obviously while we've got you on as well uh what's the can we ask i mean i know you've revealed it on your podcast but what your um what your next season is going to be delving into uh yeah it's going to be um folk horror which is uh, a a really interesting strange one actually and and can 
uh, things like slashes or ghosts it's it's a lot harder to define actually um but uh, i'm really looking forward to it so so folk horror sort of classically a, a lot of people kind of think of the, the sort of old british horror movies of the 70s like the wicker man and the blood on satan's claw and Witchfinder general and these kind of often sort of pagany sort of you know strange kind of rural horror movies set in kind of rural communities and that kind of thing um so we're going to be looking at that but also kind of branching off that kind of strict rigid uh, set of conventions a bit and sort of going off and and, and exploring other uh, types of kind of rural horror movies so actually even movies like uh, Deliverance and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Two of my favourites. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Um, so British stuff like Straw Dogs and and then and then American stuff all, um, and, uh, sorry, an Australian stuff all the way through to things like Wolf Creek and stuff that's sort of set in the outback. So all of those kind of those kind of dark, weird movies where it's kind of often set in kind of rural communities with characters that are kind of isolated from <laughs> civilization mm. and, you know, people kind of wander into these places and, and suffer the consequences, I suppose, like those types of movies. Um, really interesting. And, and, it's, and, and it's quite a broad range of stuff that we're covering. So, yeah, I'm really excited, actually. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm going to... That, that that sounds really good. Um, have you got some uh, interesting guests coming on as well or, or can't you reveal that at this stage? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, funnily enough, just today I uh, recorded the first episode and that was with Alice Lowe, the actress, um, who oh, obviously, as people know, starred in Ben Wheatley's Sightseers. And actually, Ben Wheatley... Um, you know, I think a lot of his movies could be considered folk horror. I think Kill List is definitely a folk horror, which we'll be covering. And so is A Field in England. And so is Sightseers. And they make quite an interesting little trilogy, actually. So we're kind of covering them in depth. And uh, and Alice, obviously, she wrote and starred in that. She also directed her own horror film recently called Prevenge. Prevenge, and she, yeah. And she recently, uh, she recently starred in the audiobook version of A Blood on Satan's Claw as well, which is brilliant. It's her and Rhys Shearsmith and, and Mark Gatiss starred in that together. So she's got quite a lot of connections with this kind of british rural horror stuff uh so she was great she was and she was really up for it and i i went and, and chatted to her about uh everything really horror and her career and everything else so that that's going to be the first episode of, of the new series which will be in a couple of weeks time oh fabulous no i'm uh, yeah I've, I've seen her when i saw prevenge uh, she did a q a um at bafta on that and it in they've got quite a nice little uh sort of team that all seem to help one another you know with those you know with ben wheatley and some of the other there was that film the ghoul that she was in as well and they have you know and um it, it's quite good because they're all sort of pretty low budget independent uh horror films but they all sort of they help each other out with 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 the films and have different sort of bit parts in them and uh yeah she's just got a really good attitude about it all hasn't she you know yeah she's she's brilliant she's so clever and talented but also just very chilled and, and fun you know she's yeah she's she's great i hope she i hope she carries on being able to make films for a long time because i loved prevenge yes yes now it was very good wasn't it <laughs> i enjoyed that one and um no that that oh that that's great then so well uh, we've got that to look forward to brilliant yes excellent yeah 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 can't wait i can't wait so that'll be out in a couple of weeks time sort of covering covering british summertime that's the plan so i plan to sort of start start it around sort of summer solstice in a couple of weeks fair enough okay does just as this will be uh 
the episode before Fright Fest. Uh, does anybody know what's going to be shown or, or any predictions of what films will be shown? Because as usual, I have no idea what's going to be there this year. Uh, no, I don't really officially know anything yet. Although, again, actually, um, I am I'm sitting down with Paul McAvoy, and he's coming on the podcast, and he's going to be he's going to be uh, talking a bit about some of his recommendations for the festival this year as well. Yeah. So that oh, should right. be in a few weeks. Any yeah. predictions, though? Any films that you would like to see at Fright Fest this year? Um, there is something that was coming out in September that I thought, oh, that'll definitely play. I can't remember what it is now. It might have been the Slender Man movie or something. I, I always kind of look at what's sort of coming out around mm. that time to see. But uh, yeah, I can't think, not off the top of my head at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the one I'm obviously looking forward to, although it's it's going to be probably too high profile, even for Fright Fest, I expect, it is is obviously the, the Halloween um, film, which I, I, I'm calling in my head Halloween H40, but that just makes me feel really old. Um, but but um, I, I am looking forward to that. But I, but I very much, I don't know. Is it likely we'd get that at Fright Fest? Probably not, because it's going to get a big release anyway. Yeah, I think that's going to be too early for them to preview it. I think they'll yeah. they'll hold it till. I think mm. there's a good chance it might play at, at London Film Festival because that that's mid October that festival and. Uh, I would not be surprised if, if Michael Blythe, who has been on my podcast quite a few times, and he kind of yes, runs the good. sort of cult cult film strand at LFF, he he will be dying, I'm sure, to get that that film premiering at, at London Film Festival. Um, same with Suspiria, actually, which is also getting an October <laughs> release. Mm. Yes, I've not seen the, uh, the 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 trailer for that yet, but uh, you know that that that's one of those things that, on one hand, seems like a really bad idea, but at the same time i've heard people say it looks amazing so um yeah, yeah I've, got to, I've got to see. admit i think it looks good i was quite excited by the trailer yeah it looks interesting hmm. okay what about you simon have you got a prediction uh, no idea i i never do <laughs> 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 i mean uh, I, as as much i it would be great to see the likes of live halloween or the suspiria remake there but uh you, you never know i mean it, some some of the films that get shown there sometimes I was like mm, that's okay I mean when they showed Sin City two there that mm, was that was a bit of a, a strange pick even though it was coming out that same weekend <laughs> yeah do you think we'll get the Nun do you think we'll get the Nun or will it already have been out by then uh, yeah I think it, I think it comes out earlier I think it might have already been out by that point yeah. um yeah. Because they showed, they showed us a trailer last year, didn't they? For it, I seem to remember they, that was one of the special surprises before one of the screenings. It was a, mm. a little trailer for for it, you know, very early on. But but you know, I'm excited. Uh, Fright Fest, I just enjoy it. I mean, it, it's a marathon. I go really hardcore with it and literally watch <laughs> you know five movies a day or six movies a day or whatever it works out at. And um, yeah, you know, I'm in there. I'm in there all day, every day and uh enjoy it thoroughly yeah 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 it'll be great it'll be great i can't wait Indeed. cool all right well any anything else um you want to mention or promote while you're on my no any, no any i think i on? think that's i think that's everything yeah there I mean, apart from the podcast, are you working on anything else? I mean, do you do any other? I, I know, obviously, your day job invo involves, you know, um, uh, 
interviewing and stuff but do you Oh, not not nothing particularly, nothing particularly exciting or noteworthy. To be honest, it's all <laughs> right, right. It's it's all kind of little itty bit, like sort of bitty jobs here and there. And occasionally, I'll get some fun stuff to do. I recently just did the solo, the Star Wars movie sort of press interviews and stuff. But but oh, no, nice. I mean nothing, nothing, nothing that exciting at the moment. No, nothing worth plugging. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so the important thing is, I mean, I'm sure our listeners are going to be saying, right, we want to check out the evolution of horror. So where 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 can they find that, Mike? Uh, it, well, it's, it's on all the usual places. So you can find it on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and, uh, and and Stitcher and all of that kind of thing. If you find if you follow us on Twitter, that's probably the easiest way to then find links to, to where you can find the podcast. So on Twitter, we're just at EvolutionPod lovely okay yeah and keith where can people find your work okay well if you go to youtube and put in british isles that's e-y-l-e-s as in my last name uh you can find some short films that i've made on there uh and if you want to get in touch you can do so uh via the podcast and as always you can listen to this podcast on itunes stitcher youtube and all good podcast providers you can follow us on facebook and twitter just search movie heaven movie hell and please leave us a rating and review on itunes and stitcher it all helps so uh that just leaves me to thank our guest uh mike for coming on thank you very much now very interesting to have you on board (laughs) (laughs) and we thank you the listener for joining us and we hope you join us for the next episode of movie heaven movie hell